0: I tell you what, that uh, thing that we do at Kensington that we call Hope Water is one of the best things we do. It is. It's the church going out to make a difference in the the world. I was uh, getting lunch yesterday, and this woman that was our waitress uh, started talking about running in marathons. And so I'm like, oh, here's an opportunity. Uh, I'm like, are you doing a Detroit marathon? No, I'm doing DC, did Boston, did New York. I said, well, you know, I'm a pastor of a church, and we have a, a running group at our church. She goes, Hope Water? I go, you know about Hope Water? Everybody knows about Hope Water. Everybody in the running community knows it's the largest running group in the world. you know that? We are the largest running group in the world uh, because, you know, we're not a running group. We're a church, but thousands of people put a Hope Water uh, label on it and say, I'm going to run not for myself, for somebody else. Just real quick. I know many of you know this. But it isn't just a marathon, by the way. There's a 5K in June, there's a cycle in August, and then there's a marathon in October. And here's the deal. Everybody runs, they raise money to fund wells in Africa. Think of this. Since Hope Water started, we put 126 wells in Africa. That serves tens of thousands of people, literally saves their life. We have raised $4.1 million through Hope Water Running, cycling, walking, 5Ks—it's unbelievable, and that's what the church should be doing. Am I right? Oh my gosh, the church should be blessing the world with the blessings God's given us. So I want to invite you. Next Saturday is the is the Hope Water kickoff, and if you're interested or got questions, we've got a table in the lobby. Uh, people out there, you'll see their Hope Water uh, shirts on. Just go out and ask them questions. Uh, I ran in the uh, in the Detroit Marathon a few years back. Detroit Marathon relay—that's um, what I did. <laughs> I didn't run the marathon. I ran seven miles. But I was part of a relay team, and I'm looking to do that again. And I tell you, when I crossed the finish line, it was like something I'd never experienced before. It was like, I didn't run for me. I ran for somebody that's going to, that this water's going to save their life. So it's really cool. It's really cool. So, all right, so today is the last week of Formed, which, as you've been walking with us for the last three weeks, is really how words, it's been a series about words, form our identity and form who we are. It's really true. I mean, some of you know this. The whole series is built really on one verse that's tucked away in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, a book called Proverbs. This is a book of wisdom, and there's all kinds of wisdom in there. There's much written in that book about the tongue. But here's a, here's a verse many of you have heard before. It's the tongue has the power of life and death. Is that true? Oh, my gosh. I mean, not literally talking about the tongue. It's talking about the words create worlds, words create Create worlds, good and bad. It says, power of life, affirming, uplifting, encouraging words, or death, discouraging, uh, sarcastic, demeaning words. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What's that mean? Those who understand this will use their words very, very carefully. Because here's the amazing thing about life and death words. Death words or negative words stick. Life words or positive words Shape. I didn't see any of you writing that down. That's profound right there. That's as deep as I get right there. But it's it's really true. Negative death words, they, they create a wound. And they sort of stick. I mean, there's I know this. I've talked to people. We saw this last week as people brought up words or lies they've they've heard their whole life. They laid them at the cross last week, right, We had two crosses in there. They laid them there like. These are lies that I don't want to be my identity anymore, but they've stuck with them for decades. It's really interesting. I spoke at Birmingham campus last week, and they have two services. So I got home earlier than this uh, Oregon campus was done, and I expected my wife, who spoke here, to be home by about 2 o'clock. And when 3 o'clock came, I'm like, where are you? She's never answering. So then I'm texting Susan Welsh and other people here, like, is my wife okay? She should be home only to find out She was in the prayer room with all those things that you brought up, praying over the lies that you brought up. I'm like, now that's a woman of God right there. I'm like, you should be home. She's like, no, these people are more important than you. So she was praying over these words, thinking, man, those are wounds that have stuck with people. But here's the thing today's all about positive words shape people's lives. But think about negative for a minute. I heard this story years ago about this guy in the military called down to the motor pool where they have an inventory of all the, all the, Uh, weapons they have there. And so the private who answered the phone at the motor pool didn't know who was calling. So this guy calls and says, hey, private, tell me your inventory. So he's going through. We got missile launchers and we got these guns and these guns. And then at the end, he says, and we got three big Jeeps for three fat generals. That's what he said. And so the guy on the line goes, private, do you know who this is? He goes, nope. He goes, this is General Smith. And so the private goes. Uh, General, do you know who this is? He goes, nope. He goes, see you later, fatty. Click. <laughs> I don't know if that happened. That's a good joke. Anyway, um, that's pretty funny. Some of you are going to take that to work tomorrow. It's like the only thing you'll learn at church is a funny joke. But anyway, here's the thing. We laugh about that because it's sort of funny. But here's the thing. If anybody has ever called you fat, stupid, slow, ugly, worthless, invaluable. Get out of here. I can't stand your presence. If you've ever even one time heard words of death, you tell me, did it stick? Yes, it did. Oh my gosh, right now, every parent should be like, oh my gosh, this is really important. Every spouse should be thinking, oh my gosh, if death words stick and life words shape, here's the question, what's coming out? And so all we want to do today is wrap up with just a a simple thought is, what about controlling this? Because you actually have control over that. I'm just going to actually walk you through one, actually two verses. One verse sets up a very important application that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament. You go to the book of Ephesians. Some of you know this. It's tucked away sort of toward the back of your New Testament. And I never knew this when I started going to church, that these were letters written to Uh, churches in different areas. This one is churches in the area of Ephesus uh, over in Asia Minor, and I didn't know that. They were called epistles in the church I grew up in, and I thought that was a gun. (laughs) I didn't even know an epistle is a letter that Paul writes actually from a prison cell. And this one's, I love this letter because there's six chapters, and many of you have heard me say this, but I love this. The first three, all Paul does is talk about doctrine and theology, and actually identity. Here's who God is, and you need to understand a proper theological uh, understanding of who God is, so he develops that, and then he develops, here's what he did for us, the cross, we're going to talk about that, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and, and the resurrection, and then because of that, here's who we are, our identity in Christ, and then chapter four, he says, okay, based on that theology and identity, which is the foundation, how do we then live? How do we live this out? So you go to chapter four, Again, I, obviously, this is a, a three-month series walking through the book of Ephesians, but he's developed all this doctrine and theology and identity, and then he says this in chapter four, and I'm jumping into about the middle, but he says, so I, so I tell you this, so means because of everything I've told you before, I tell you this, and insist on it, like this is really, really important, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, here's what he's saying. This isn't who you are anymore, it's who you were. A Gentile was a pagan, somebody that doesn't believe in God. So he says, we were that before, but now that we believe and we understand who we believe in and who we are, don't live with futile thinking like you used to or like the Gentiles still do. And what he's specifically getting at is how Gentiles or people that don't believe in God treat other people and actually view other people. They viewed other people as less than, they were better than others, not important. He says, no, 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 because of you, now that you know who God is and who you are, we view everybody totally different. And he's already developed this, but here's basically what he said. And Cody said this, my son, the first week, he said, when you see others the way God sees them, anybody remember? You will speak to others what God says to them. So you don't speak words of life unless you believe they are people worth words of life. And what he's saying is people that don't believe in God, everybody's less than them. People that believe in God treat everybody, not somebody, everybody as what? Image bearers. Image bearers of what? God. I've said this here years ago. Here's the best way I can say it. You and I have never, one time in our life, ever locked eyes with a person that doesn't matter to God. You've never locked eyes with a person that doesn't matter to God. That's new creation thinking. Now, think about that in terms of racism. Think about that in terms of bigotry. You've never, ever looked at a person. Think about that in terms of economic status. You've never looked at a person, rich or poor, Black, white, yellow, you name it. Never looked at a person that isn't a 10 in God's eyes. They were made in the image of God. They're absolutely beautiful. Think about that with people that are gross sinners. I know you and I aren't, but they are. They're so much lower than us. God still sees them as image bearers of his image. They don't always look like God, but you and I have never, ever looked at somebody with old, futile thinking we see them, everyone is someone loved by God. Everyone is someone loved by God. What would have to happen tomorrow in your workplace if that's how you view people? That dude you can't stand? That bugs you? It's on the other side of the cubicle? He or she is made in the image of God. You're like, no, no, no. You've never met this guy, Dave. <laughs> that guy can't be. Yeah, he is. And yes, she is. Now, if you see them like that, it'll change how you speak to them. And so then Paul later, in verse 29, and Ann and I uh, were doing some date nights around Kensington uh, based on our vertical marriage book. And we based our whole date night on this one verse. And, And the whole idea was that healthy or happy couples, this is applied to marriage, choose to speak life to their spouse. That was the whole date night idea. Just one simple thought healthy couples. And again, this just applied to marriage. But this applied to every family. Healthy couples, or actually couples that are happy, they choose. That's a key word. It isn't, I just say what I feel. No, no, I make choices with my words, basically to speak life to my spouse. And obviously parents, man, that applies to your kids. Kids applies to your parents. Applies to co-workers. Applies to everybody, right? But that was just applied to marriage. It's like, we make a choice, and it all came from one verse. I just want to uh, explain it to you real quick. Paul then, a couple of verses later in verse 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now look at this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. All I'm going to do in the next couple of minutes is walk you through that verse. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. And then we're going to bring some people up and they're going to tell stories about life and death words that have been spoken to them. But what's really interesting as he says, do not let any, here's a key word, unwholesome talk. Now, you tell me, what's unwholesome talk? Do you have any idea? It's really interesting. When you look at the Greek word that that's translated into English, unwholesome, it actually means spoiled rotten fish smell. <laughs> Think about that. It even means rotten sandal smell. It's like very specific. I told you before, Greek, Koine Greek is very specific language. Too. It says, don't let any smelly rotten words come out of your mouth. Have you ever heard any of those this week? It's like, oh, that was distasteful. Ooh, that smelled bad. Yeah, we've all heard those kind of things. He says, if you're new in Christ, this is how we speak to people. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. They're a 10. They're, they're, they're precious to God. So we don't let any smelly, fish talk, rotten words come out of our mouth. That could be, I mean, often we think, oh, that's just cursing. That, it's all kinds of words beyond just cursing. It's gossip and slander and demeaning. By the way. Here's one that we think is okay, sarcasm. You know, people laugh when we're sarcastic about somebody. Guess what? That sarcastic remark you made about that person, guess what? Stuck. They haven't gotten over that. I don't know if you know this. Sarcasm means tear the flesh. Think about that next time you make a sarcastic remark and everybody goes, man, you're so witty. That was funny. Look at the dude you made the comment about and you will see death on their face because it stuck. It tore their flesh. And he says, do not let, by the way, do not let means this. We have control over what? Our mouth. It's almost like there's a gate here, and he's saying, don't let any smelly, fish, rotten words out of that gate. If that's what's coming out, keep it shut. Sometimes the best thing you can do in a meeting is just keep your mouth shut. Or in your family, just keep your mouth shut, because you know if you open that thing wide, oh, boy, bad stuff, smelly stuff's coming out. So he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But look at this. But only what is what? Helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit all who listen. Now, some of you are like me. You're sort of wired devil's advocate. It's like, So that means every word you say is just so nice and soft and so Christian-y. You know, nobody's ever going to be helped by those kind of words, right? It's like, you know, you say to your, your spouse, hey, could you love me like a little bit this week? You know, that's like nice, but you, I mean, it's like, hey, show up to work like once a week. I mean, no, that isn't what he's saying. He's saying, don't let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is what? Helpful. So the words are helpful for who? You know for them according to their needs. So sometimes you have to speak a hard word. Why? Because it's helpful. But here's the thing. You don't have to speak that hard word in a demeaning way. It can be packaged. We wrap things that we want people to open. We package things. So you speak. And by the way, I'll say this. I said this a couple weeks ago. But when you are speaking life to somebody a lot, and then you have to speak something hard to them that can help them, it's received a lot better, am I right, than if you never speak in life. If there's a 1,000 life words and one harder word that's truth, but they need to hear it, it's going to be received if there's never any life words and all you do is keep. And by the way, when he says, help for what's building others up, it isn't about you. It's about them. Does this build them up? And it's interesting, isn't it? The word build is a construction word. So I heard one pastor talking about this verse, and he said this. He said, we should view every conversation as as if we're on a construction site and bring building materials to that construction site that builds something beautiful. Those are your words. Building materials are your words to build others up according to their needs, and it may benefit those who listen. Here's the thing. When people are done talking with you, when they walk away, what do they feel? Build up, torn down. AND IF YOU DON'T KNOW, HERE'S A SCARY THOUGHT, ASK THEM. ASK THEM WHAT THEY FEEL WHEN THEY'RE AROUND YOU AND BE READY FOR SOMETHING YOU MAY NOT WANT TO HEAR. THAT WOULD BE A WORD OF LIFE EVEN THOUGH IT WOULD BE SAID, ACTUALLY WHEN I'M AROUND YOU, I FEEL LIKE YOU CRITIQUE ME ALL THE TIME AND I DON'T FEEL built UP AT ALL. HERE'S THE THING, IF YOU AND I WERE PEOPLE THAT BUILD OTHERS UP, IF WE WERE A CHURCH, A COMMUNITY, Where that wasn't just one person, but a whole bunch of people that built people up? What do you think would happen? This church would grow so fast because people run to life-giving words, and they run away from death words. And I don't know if you know this, but the people that don't go to church out there, guess what they often hear from church people? Negative judgment words. I bet you if you walked up to most people that go to church and say, do you think the people in church think you're a 10 They'd say, "Uh -uh. I'm a sinner to them and I'm unworthy of God's love. And that's not the truth at all. They are just as worthy of God's love as you are. What would happen if we were life givers? People would rush to this place. You know, I tell you what, my wife is absolutely amazing at at, at speaking words of life. In fact, uh, birthdays in our home are nothing like birthdays when I grew up. When I grew up Birthday was, like, not celebrated. You know, I had no money. My mom was a single mom. I got one little tiny present. I was like, happy birthday. We moved on. My wife, birthdays are like going to Disney World. I'm not kidding. Streamers, balloons, parties, the whole deal. Uh, many more presents than I would ever buy. This person's not worth that. Anyway, you know, I'm kidding. But it's just, it's unbelievable. And here's one of the things that she made a Wilson tradition. Every birthday, we speak life into that birthday person. I can remember sitting at the table and she said, Oh, it's Cody's birthday. CJ, what do you appreciate about Cody? And you know, I get teenage kids, uh. And here's the thing CJ would speak life. And you just watch Cody or Austin, whoever's birthday it was, they just came alive. You could see it's like, this feels awesome. Austin, what do you have to say? And then when it's my birthday, they all speak for me. And I tell you, I'm the dad sitting there, like, we're gonna do this again. You're gonna be kidding me. And then I watch my table and it's like, Oh, my gosh, look what's happening. And my wife, you should know, she's the biggest cheerleader I've, I've ever seen. And this didn't just happen at birthdays. It happened at night as we put them to bed. We would speak life into them as we prayed over them when they were 5, 6, 15, 18. I remember Austin, right before he got married, now he's, he's got three of our grandkids. They're not his kids. They're our grandkids. He's got three of them. I remember asking him the night before his wedding, what do you think you'll miss most? And he said, this. We said, what? He said, right now, what we're doing, praying before I go to bed, I'm going to miss that. Because it was life. When people would come over to our house, my wife, as we sat at dinner, would never talk about us. She would ask them questions about their life. And she is just, she'd listen to him and then speak life. I'd watch her do it. She'd speak life into him. Man, I see this in you. It's an amazing thing. we get to the door of our house to say goodnight almost every time this happened. And they would say, wow, this was amazing. This was so much fun. Can't wait to come back. I don't say this when I'm thinking, of course it was. We talked about you all night. We never talked about it. We talked about you all night. And we spoke life into you. And people run to that. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring some people up, and they're just going to share very briefly a little snippet into their life about how somebody spoke a word of life into them, and it literally changed them. And as as they get ready to come up, Cody's going to come out and help me interview these guys. Uh, We're going to take our offering as they're coming up, because here's what the offering is. Think about this. And by the way, if you're new this is how we, you can do it. It's so simple to just go online and join in this community. It says, I'm going to support a ministry and a church that blesses others, not with just words, but with actions as well. And so that's why we join this team say, I'm in, I'm going to give. Maybe some of you, first time, I'm going to give because I want to be a part of a community that speaks life, lives life, because that's what God does in us. And then it's an overflow out in this place that continues to grow. So we've got a few people up here. Oh, I forgot my, my great story, Teddy Stollard. Oh, well. Hey, it was still a great message. You're unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, son. Yeah. So who do we want to start with? They've done this once already. <clears throat> this will be fun. Let's start with, um, you pick, Cody. Well, Carrie has the mic. I
1: do have the mic. All right,
0: Carrie. <laughs> Talk about Carrie's an intern here at, at Kensington in the area of Move Out, which is our ministry to go take our faith to the streets. Hope water's part of that locally. Everything. I just gave your whole, your whole hey, intro. Hey, you got it. It's
1: okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so talk about how words of life have impacted you.
1: Um, so when I before um, I became um, became to Christ, um, I was anorexic for about 10 years of my life, and um, in that, um, words of just death spoke over me. Um, never words of life. Um, So, for me, that it was all the self doubt in myself. Um, Give me one. um, I'm unworthy, Hmm. um, not loved. I mean, I
0: don't need any more. Yeah.
1: Unworthy was a big one. Yeah. Um, And so, through um, Jesus, He definitely saved me through that. Um, But being part of the internship, I'm able to be part of this um, training called Live. And um, with this Live class, it's about finding your own identity in what God calls you. So my intern director, Becky Lee, um, when I went through this, she, um, God spoke through her and gave me the word lighthouse, um, which she said that God was um, the ground and that I was um, the lighthouse and the light and that it showed me that I was strong and that people are drawn to me through my light, but I'm also, showing that light out to others.
0: Now, when you heard that, did you think, I'm not a light, or did you go, oh, my gosh?
1: Um, at first, I thought, I'm not that. But as she continued to speak through me, um, it definitely embraced who I am in so, God. So
0: this morning, in the first service, you told a story about being in a grocery store.
1: Yeah, so through that, um, through this training, um, God has really just been speaking to me about just being observant of other people, um, and that, especially going into a grocery store, and so um, I was in a grocery store, and I, the woman ahead of me, she had three children, um, and she was struggling with those three kids, didn't know really how to handle them. They were whining, crying, or whatever that looked Does like. Does
0: anybody know how to handle three little kids? <laughs> Nobody.
1: By yourself? And You're so- finding out,
0: aren't you? <laughs> Trying
1: to figure out one. <laughs> <laughs> so I just... Started to talk to her and um, kind of just comfort her kids as well. And she had said to me that she was a single mom working at the Dollar Tree next door. And she was just trying to make ends meet and really struggling. So after a longer conversation with her, I just asked if I could pray over her. And the woman immediately started to weep. And she had said to me that nobody has ever asked her that before. Wow. So That's a risky, obedient. risky thing to
0: do, but the impact is... Mm-hmm. Truly, really I'm amazing. Yeah. All right, Shad and Haley. Well, I Tell wanted us to add a little too. Bit. Oh, go ahead.
2: I, I I was thinking, um, and maybe this will come out in some of the stories. I've realized as you were given, I've heard all the messages in the last four weeks, right?
0: You've heard a message, every message for 28 years. That's true. And
2: what I was, I was thinking was we, we've been talking about the last three weeks communication only in the form of words. Mm. A lot of the times, but you're always communicating, whether it's your time, whether it's your Mm -hmm. gifts, whether it's the glance you're giving someone. And so even Carrie, as you're sharing, like before you even said a word, you were communicating something by making time for that person. And so the idea of we're always communicating, if you're in a room with someone who's on their phone, that I can be bad at sometimes I'm communicating, this is more important than you are. And so it's not just always the words we speak, but in the facial expressions we have, or the time, or the commitment, or when we look at our calendar, are we saying to our family, you're the most important thing in my life, or the Jesus, like you're communicating something all the time, and it's always, it's not just always your spoken words. Wow. Um, and I'm sure, like you've heard the quotes, like people won't remember what you say to them, which I think people do remember, <laughs> but they'll remember the way you made them feel. Yeah. Because communication is oftentimes more than just the words you're speaking.
0: Yeah, that's good. Deep. Deep, he just took us to a whole other level there. Wilson 2.0. So Uh-oh. anyway, Shad, um, I I was a part of a band one time. Yes. That you were uh, in rehearsal singing. Yep. And I remember, and I just today sort of heard the backstory of this, but during rehearsal you left, and we in the band were like, where'd he go, and didn't come back, and you were gonna sing <laughs> that weekend. Yep. But today, I heard a little bit of, like, why? Talk about that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, for Just real quick, I, I grew up in a home where um, it was always do, 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 strive, 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 but you were never good enough. Nothing was ever perfect, or it, it had to be perfect, and every the bar was set so high, it was unattainable. So my whole life, I'm this human doing instead of a human being. And um, I lived my whole life like that. I didn't even realize I was living like that, but lived my whole life like that. And then... What I used to cope with it one day, I just kind of had this mental, like this, this breakdown. I couldn't take it anymore, and um, I was used alcohol to cope with it for the next six years of my life. So when we started coming here, I was just in a really bad spot, um, but they had asked me to be on main stage, and they didn't know this, um, but I was really still struggling with that, and um, they asked me to sing when I was standing up here on stage, and I opened my mouth, and nothing came out, and I, could, I was like, what the heck's going on? This is weird. This has never happened. And so uh, I just, like, the lies started coming into my head that, you know, you're, you're not good enough, you're unworthy, you're, you're terrible, you're worthless. And so I just left after practice. <laughs> I got in my car and went home, looked at my phone a few hours later. There's all these texts, and I'm just like, whatever. So Chris Cook, the music director here, reached out to me, and um, he wanted to meet me. And so we met at the Starbucks in Sacha Ball. A lot of good things happen at Starbucks. And um, <laughs> we just talked and um, did a lot of praying and, and kind of got some direction. I just really had a breakthrough there that day, um, just refocusing on that I am a child of God and I need to be living my life through that identity and being and resting in that, not trying to strive and, you know, do things on my own power. And so it was life-changing for me. It changed everything from that day on. is changed everything for me so
0: and you're not yeah. saying you're perfect no
3: but, no I still have I Satan still tries to get in there and go hey you're you know you can't do this you're yeah. a loser Wait, right? you know but yeah uh, and,
0: one, and one of the cool things I've seen since that day is now you are leading and singing yeah, yeah. out of
3: truth yes yeah yeah I mean you yeah. were
0: locked up I I watched it it's like he's stuck and now there's a freedom and a power that came. And some yeah. of it was just words yeah, and man. identity. Yeah, It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, Haley, you guys are married at, what, 18 years? You've watched this. What would you say?
4: So after Shad met with Chris, uh, well, I guess I should probably say before, uh, sh- just the negativity that Shad was living in and even the own words that he would speak over himself like, um, I'm an idiot, or I'm stupid, even in just like something, you know, like he dropped something, that next thing would be, I'm an idiot, or I'm stupid, I can't do that, uh, those types of things, and so after he met with Chris, that shift started uh, to to really happen, and things that he um, started to speak over himself was, was the truth of who God thought he was, and one of the words that God gave him was that he is the son of the most high God, and there's position in that, and so as he started living out of that, I started to see this confidence, this God confidence in him, and this courage and bravery that he had lacked. Uh, and just th- even putting himself back out there in ministry and music uh, was something that uh, he was willing to do. And, and I'm
0: guessing this impacted your marriage.
4: Yes. So, um... Didn't there, ask you that
0: last service. You
4: did not. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a radio
0: host now. I ask people yes, questions. Yes,
4: I like it. So, here we go. So, um, truthfully, there was a point in our marriage that um, I didn't know if we were going to make it. Hmm. That's just the reality. And um, God, thankfully, got a hold of my heart and through the word and through a group of believers, um and kind of turned my focus off of the problem, the circumstances with the alcohol and abuse um, of that and allowed me to see, start to see Shad through that lens of who he is in God. Uh, But through that, um, we are stronger than we've ever been and just the excitement of living past that. So I think now, gosh, what if I had given up and, Mm-hmm. We didn't have this part of the story to tell, that yeah. there's story, the story of resurrection and redemption and knowing who we are in Jesus truly. We knew it from a head perspective, but not a heart perspective, and now we're living that out, and it's just amazing to be a wow. part of that.
0: A beautiful Woo! story. Way yeah. to go. That's awesome. <clears throat> Michael Bouchard sitting back there, director of our high school and middle school ministries here at Kensington, but you've got a unique story about what kind of kids you were in class.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, first of all, where are my middle school and high schoolers at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're all, they all sleeping at the last service. Had yeah. some come up to me afterwards. They were like, I was there. You didn't see me. I was like, well, you should have said something. Yeah, yell out. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was that kid. I mean, Haley, you, uh, you work at a middle school, and uh, so you, um, you see them all the time, and you see those kids, right, those kids. So I was that kid at school who, um, well, I, I, I can't sit still for very long. Um, this thing was always going, just always talking all the time. And uh, and then this thing, always going too, always daydreaming, like the teacher be talking to me and looking at me and I be nodding and got a party going on in my head. I have no <laughs> idea what she's saying. You know, then they ask a question and I'm like, pickles, I don't know. I don't know what you asked me. And uh, so that, uh, it seems funny, but when you're that kid, it's not funny. You know, when you're that kid, it school's tough, um, and my mom's here and she, she's uh, staying with us for, for a little bit and she can attest to some of the notes that got sent home by, by the teachers. And it's interesting, you can look through my, my history and see uh, which school year I had a teacher that would invest in me and which school year they saw me through worldly eyes. Um, because... To the ones who saw me as a troublemaker, well, if that's what they saw me, I would live up to that. I mean, it was still on me to, to make my own decisions and on how I wanted to live and how I wanted to act. But you can tell specifically which years I had a teacher that would cast something good over me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in high school, I had a teacher when I was in 10th grade who... Uh, I took a publications in journalism, really the yearbook class, so that I wouldn't have to take real literature classes. So I was like, you know, I wanted to get out of those. So I was like, yeah, I'll take yearbook. And so I was working on a a spreadsheet thing and I wrote a caption and my my yearbook teacher said, hey, I think you can write. And I was like, okay. So she had me write something for the school newspaper and I was like, I love this. And it brought out something different in me. And then I remember in, in high school, also, our youth pastor, I was always oh, causing so much, <laughs> so many problems. I burped in our youth pastor's face his first night with us. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, his wife's face, not his face. Oh, yeah, that was really Even worse. good. Yeah, so um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> he was one of the first people to look at me and call me a leader. And I was like, well, I, I guess I could. I could, maybe I could be that. And so. Every major change in my life happened because of a word that somebody gave me. And um, so now, that's why I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers. But one thing I do outside of this job working here at Kensington is I sub. Um, So I do that on purpose for fun. Some people are like, really? Um, And yeah, I do because I, I want a chance to be able to speak life into a kid if I get one shot. You know, and sometimes it's that one-shot word that someone's going to remember. And I had this happen a couple of months ago at one of our local middle schoolers uh, middle schools. I walked into a math class, and it was like the third period. And this kid named Colin uh, came in, and he was. I was like, "What's your name?" He came in late, and uh, and he said, "My name's Colin. I'm a troublemaker." And and I was like, "Interesting. Like, I know that kid. <laughs> that, that was me." And so I kind of pulled him aside, and I was like, "You know, I don't think that's who. I don't think that's what you are." And he said, "Yeah, I get in trouble all the time." And I said, okay, but what do you, you want to be? Because I think you could be a leader. And he kind of stopped and looked at me, and I was like, you know what? For the rest of this class, while we're going through all the teacher's projects, I want you to help me by help, helping lead the class in the activity. And he was like, huh, and he did. And um, it, it all goes back to you. It reminded me of those teachers who took that moment to speak a kind word or something good and see me differently,
3: you know? Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome.
2: You got anything to add? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, one of the reasons, obviously, we did this series and even with this interview is we're hoping as a church, um, each and every one of us would be someone hmm. that has a vision and speaks life to the people around us. And I think there is sometimes the lie I, I, I think that we can believe is like, my words don't really matter um, or they don't really carry any power. And because of that, it won't really make a difference if I even do step out or encourage someone or speak something into them. And I think that's such a lie that for each and every one of us to grab a hold of the, the power and the authority that the Lord has given us to use our words either for good or for evil. And it's funny for me because I'm on like the opposite side of the spectrum where you heard like the dinner stories. And it's funny, even in my life, I, I shared this a few years ago, but I remember um, I was playing up in, I think, Raw rah baseball. I had to be like six or seven years old. Um, I was playing on my older brother's team um, and I remember being in a car my mom obviously was driving thankfully and uh, she she looked over at me like she would commonly do and she would be like Cody you're, you're such a leader when I look at you I just see you're a, a leader and we're always like man that sounds great and what's interesting when she said that to me I felt an immense pressure to live up to that um, because I didn't necessarily see myself as that um, and so it felt like Mom, you see me as that, but I don't think I'm that. And now I feel pressure to live up to that. I even remember praying with someone and they were like, my teachers in school would always say I was smart. And so it made me scared that I wasn't going to live up to their expectations. And so I remember really thinking about that and praying through that moment. And I felt like what the Lord said to me was, was Cody, she wasn't telling you who you were going to be. And she wasn't calling you to something. She was calling something out of you that was already there. And so I think what's beautiful to remember in the sense of when someone speaks life to you, maybe you're like me and you feel pressure to live up to that and realizing that when someone's calling you something, they're not calling you like into something, they're actually calling something out of you that's already been there your whole life, right? Like Michael being a leader um, or you being a lighthouse. It might be a new discovery for you, but it's always been there. And from the foundations of the earth, it's who the Lord created you to be And so to not feel this pressure, and even what Shad was saying of like, man, I have to become or I have to do, but realizing like who you are to God, it's not something you achieve, it's something you receive and you exist in it. And you discover that by being still with him. Um, and, And so I just encourage you in that. Don't try to strive to become something, but receive and say, this is actually who I am and when I exist as who God made me to be, this is what comes out of me.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Give them a hand as they walk off. I'm. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> I'm gonna pray over us, and then we're gonna sing a song together before we leave. And the song is beautiful because it's it's what God's actions and words say about our value. That we couldn't be more loved. By him. It's called Reckless Love because it's like, it's not human love, it's reckless. It's almost, it's almost nonsensical that he loves us so deeply. And, you know, I was thinking when I was in second grade, you know, the power of words is so strong. You can remember where you were when somebody spoke something, either death or life. I'm in second grade, so what am I, seven, eight years old? Um, my mom and I have just, and my little brother have just moved from New Jersey to Ohio Why? Because my dad walked out, and we are now a divorced family. And I'm entering a new elementary school I'd never been in, and a few weeks later, my little brother dies of leukemia. My identity is shaken in many ways, largely because dad was gone, and he was the source of identity. So I I remember I was in second grade, and I go to this new school. And, of course, now looking back, I can imagine how insecure I was And I'm there a week, and they come to me and and my mom and say, hey, we need to hold David back to first grade. He's not ready for second. So now I'm walking into a first grade classroom, and I'm introduced. I remember my head was down. I was so embarrassed. I'm not smart enough to be in the class I'm supposed to be in, and now I'm in first grade. And then to top it off, after a week, the teacher says, hey, we need to put you in speech therapy class because you can't read well and speak well. So think of this, when the kids go out to recess, which is the only place I want to go, because that's what I want to do is go out there and dominate, because that's the only place I'm any good at anything, I have to go to speech therapy class while they go out and play, because I'm stupid. And it's only the dumb kids in there. There's only like three or four of us. And I'll never forget Mrs. Tucker, my teacher. How do I remember her name because of what she said? She said to me when I'm seven or eight years old, Hey, David Wilson, I see you one day as a public speaker speaking to thousands. And I'm like, no, no not me. I can't even say sp- spaghetti because I couldn't. She spoke life that I'm not even sure I could receive at the time. But what Cody just said is she saw something that was already there and pulled it out. And here I am. I don't know if I'm here today. Doing what I'm doing, if I didn't have a first-grade teacher that spoke something, I think, right from the heart of God, you can be Mrs. Tucker. But how do we become that person that speaks life? We have to receive it first from God, receive it, and then speak it out. So why do we end the day singing a song? That's why. Because it may be the only time you sing truth all week this is what God thinks of you. This is God's words over you. And when you and I receive that, then we have the power through the resurrected Christ who lives in us to not let any unwholesome word come out of our mouths, but only speak what builds up others according to their need. That's impossible if we don't live in the reckless love of God. So stand up. I want to pray over you. And then let's, let's sing this thing together. Father God, I pray. I know there are people here that are wounded. Words, identity, lies have stuck with them. And Lord, today's a day of freedom. Today's a day of breaking bondage. I pray that the words we sing now, we would believe and we would receive your reckless love. And then out of that, we would allow you to reshape who we are. And out of that, we would carefully speak out words of life to others. God, make us people who receive and give away what you've given us. God, help us to believe as we sing about your reckless love that you do love us that way. In the name, in the identity of that name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.